Hello, I'm Richard Herring. I'm Abdullah Crowley. And this is Sight on Screen. Shit, we're back. Yeah, we're back. We had a little hiatus. Yeah, so. I had surgery. Yeah. So, feeling uh, better now? Feeling much better. Feeling ready to talk about a movie. And you... Finally, yes, you I saw fi- it. I finally saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've been trying to get you to watch this for so goddamn long. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> now we just need to make you watch Jackie Brown, and we're there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, uh, funny enough, you weren't the one that convinced me to watch it. <laughs> it was Mindhunter. <laughs> yeah, Mindhunter. Yeah. So I just recently finished watching both seasons of Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, because David Fincher's new movie is coming out soon, also on Netflix. I think it's called Monk or something like that. Uh, ooh, I, new, news to me. Man. Something like that. Uh, which is supposed to be pretty awesome. Okay, and I like huh. I like David Fincher style. I like Fincher. All right. Yeah. So so yes, yeah, so I saw Mindhunter and season two. I think it's episode five. Charles Manson makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. Freaking steals the scene. Yeah. You have to watch that. Okay. <laughs> Even out of context, it's amazing. All right. Uh, so I encourage everyone to watch that. That will definitely get you on board the show, I think. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so, so yeah, I watched that. I was so impressed by the performance that I told myself, you know what? I have to watch uh, Once Upon a Time in America and uh, Hollywood. Once because Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in America is a whole different movie. It's a much <laughs> longer movie. Yeah, but it's a great one. That's amazing. Yeah. Five minutes and 40 minutes, though. Five hours and 40 minutes. Five hours and 40 minutes. Freaking like Gone with the Wind. <laughs> it's more longer than Gone with the Wind. Yeah, even Gone with the Wind is four hours yep. and, and something. Wow. Uh, yeah, so what was I saying? So yeah, I so, uh, saw uh, Mindhunter, encouraged me to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Because the same actor that does Charles Manson in Mindhunter, Mindhunter does it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which is an odd thing. Where has this happened before? He's this is did... kind of weird, isn't it? So, he was hired to do the role for Mindhunter much sooner. He was hired, actually, years ago, before they actually did the performance. Yeah. And during that whole process, I guess uh, Quentin Tarantino also said, like, all right, you know what? We want him as well. Yeah, but I mean... And it was was within, within, like, a couple of weeks of each other that he did both performances. I mean, think about that. When has this happened before, where one actor has portrayed the same character in two entirely separate projects? Separate mediums, even. Yeah, like, one's a TV show, one is a movie, different director, different product, different studio. Nothing in common. Yeah, absolutely nothing in common. When does that happen? And it's the same makeup artist, too. Yeah, the same guy who did the makeup for him in Mindhunter did the makeup for him in... uh, Tarantino's that is movie. bizarre. It is. It is really bizarre, and it's so it's so weird looking at the actor because he looks nothing like <laughs> like himself. Like I, I would never have pegged him for Charles Manson. Let's be honest. If you found a man who looked like actually Charles Manson, you wouldn't hire that man. You'd run. <laughs> that Charles true. Manson <laughs> at that point was a freaky looking dude. Yeah. Oof. And he definitely does a better... There's a, definitely a better job done with the makeup uh, in Mindhunter. Like, that's almost one-to-one. Yeah, I mean, I guess the point is that... I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood really, from what I've understood, had they were trying to find such a fine line between truth and fiction. Yeah. Because, I mean, Tarantino's done this before. This is kind of like... I would almost call it the third of his... 
historical revenge movies almost like where we where he goes in and kind of rewrites history more in line with what should have happened yeah i guess inglorious but you're inglorious bastards and django django on train yes. because inglorious bastards it's kind of like yeah they spoiler alert i mean you probably know this already it's a 2006 movie yeah so. they kill hitler yeah mm-hmm. the, the bastards kill hitler which is kind of like a huge course correction mm-hmm. in django you suddenly kind of find this the the hero for the slaves like they create an avenging angel in this character which is like something that didn't really exist but god don't we all wish it did yeah and i he, mean we have some similar uh like uh, heroic Oh figures yeah, no, the there absolutely are heroic people, figures. Yeah, this is a... managed to get a lot of people out of the plantations oh, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. No doubt. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying there was no heroism, but I don't think any of them were what you would call a pulp, like like yeah. a, uh, more a, gr- of a, a grindhouse version. Of yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy is an avenging angel in the old school '70s grunge movie. This mm-hmm. is. It's pretty much what would happen if you took the vigilante with Charles Bronson, but you made it in slave era <laughs> yeah sure it's kind of like and that's a that's what tarantino's kind of been doing lately that's a bit of an absurd reference but go ahead oh come on <laughs> it threw me off guard that's all i'm saying <laughs> hey you own these slaves kapow <laughs> <laughs> yes i do a terrible charles bronson but oh, that's uh, wonderful <laughs> but uh, we do have this kind of weird situation where when you are watching a Tarantino project, history doesn't necessarily need to stay on course. No. Which is an odd thing for a director to have as a staple, but it has kind of become a bit of his shtick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's usually entertainment. Yeah, for and entertainment I think that's sake. why they probably didn't do the makeup in the same way, because they probably could have. I, yeah. I don't see why they, that wouldn't have been possible. But I think also that, like uh, you mentioned before we went on air, uh, Charles Manson's lack of presence in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, he only had, like, that was one of the most disappointing things, because, you know, I'd just come mm-hmm. off of yeah, uh, Mindhunter, and he'd, like, like I told you, it was it was short, but it was oh so sweet. Yeah. Uh, and here it was really, really short. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he, beyond. there is more footage of him. There's, like, deleted scenes with him in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he had, like, two lines, I think? Yeah, or just like, said, oh, almost nothing. Yeah, just asked whether or not someone lives there anymore, and then they don't. As yeah, just and then, away. but I, no, no, there is that wonderful, well, fuck you too, Jack! <laughs> Which is kind of great. Yeah. But this, I mean, going a little bit away from Charles Madison, because the movie certainly doesn't care about him. That's true. Yeah. I think that's kind of the thing I admired about the movie, is kind of like, yeah, we, when we all heard about this, Quentin Tarantino, a Charles Manson movie. I yeah. gotta tell you, I clenched up. I would, like, you would think that they would go all out with uh, with the yeah. race war, you know, because, yeah, like you said, history is not really that important, so he might have gone with that kind of alternate history. Yeah, he where, could have gone where, ultra-violent on this. Yeah, where and, they actually did incite a race war, and, you know, things really ooh, did happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I heard about this happening, and I'm like, that this is not good. This yeah. is not okay. But they took a really different approach. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I was also telling you right before we got on yeah. air. Uh, which is, this is probably the most tame of Tarantino movies I've seen so far. If you're going to look at total, yes, in terms of shock factor, I don't know. Besides that five, the five, the, the, the last five the minutes last of the movie. The last five minutes are so strong, though. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll not talk about it right now, but the lad, I mean, this movie kind of lulls you into a fake sense of security and then yeah. really takes it for a ride. Because cause it's mainly focusing on uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick uh, Dalton. Rick Dalton yeah. and Cliff Booth, which is... Cliff Booth, uh, which is Brad Pitt's character. Brad Pitt's character. And they're, Brad Pitt's playing the stunt double of... Uh, yeah, so I mean, let's just, okay, let's go back to the start, which is that we have Rick Dalton, Leonardo DiCaprio, who, when we meet him in the film, is a washed-up actor. He was a TV actor, he was, he had, a, he had like a Bonanza-style yeah, uh, cowboy show, and I think, if I remember rightly, it's like, now we're talking, we're meeting him eight years after he quit that show to try and have a film career. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that he's on a show called Bounty Law, where apparently yeah. the shtick is, he kills Everyone. Yep. <laughs> he kills everyone. I want to watch this show. I mean, come on. I know, right? <laughs> it's so dope. Oof. But, but yeah, um... and uh, I, 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 we're meeting him, and he's kind of a washed-up actor. Cliff Booth is his stunt double slash driver slash manservant, almost? It's kind of a weird relationship they got. Yeah, him. he's very much like the handyman, I guess. But yeah, he does he it for free. He drives him around. I don't think he does it for free. I think he's I think he's paid. Because it seems Yeah, like yeah, he, that's true. They do mention that in the end. You're absolutely right. He, he doesn't yeah. seem like he gets a lot of stunt work anymore, so this is his job. Now. Yeah. And he does say that he enjoys doing it, which I don't know. Although, yeah. I mean, let's, let's he get He's like a really laid-back guy. <laughs> let's talk about the performances. Holy shit. I mean... Yeah. I mean, I, I love DiCaprio in this. This might be the best Brad Pitt's been in years. He is so interesting in this movie. Yes. Uh, and it's a very... Somewhat similar, but also entirely different from the character he plays in Ad Astra, which I don't know if you saw. I've seen it. I saw Ad Astra. Yeah, yeah. where he, do, he plays that... I think in Ad Astra, he plays his role perfectly. Because he's set up to be the kind of person who's always keeping his heart rate low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like super steady. Yeah. He has these really muted uh, discussions in his mind, mm-hmm. which are super fascinating. And I think like he does, he plays it so stoic that you might think that this is a very poor performance, but in, actu- in actuality, he plays the character yeah, really well. I, I think Ad Astra had a really good performance and didn't know what to do with it a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, the story is a bit, yeah, yeah. We we we'll, we won't talk about it. No, no, we'll not go there too much. Yeah. But but here here it's he's also playing this sort of uh, reserved uh, character. Yeah. In certain ways, but he's just so much more chill. Yeah, he's so laid back and emotive. Yeah, at I the mean, very least emotive, but I mean, you never not know overtly, where you have yeah. this guy. Yeah, that's because true. there's a lot of times the way he's behaving doesn't match or sync with what's either happening or what's being said. Yeah, he doesn't. He, there's a there's kind of a weird disconnect with him, and you're always kind of watching this character because even when he's on his own, he has this kind of like interesting disconnect. Yeah, yeah, when he's fixing the, the little satellite pole. Satellite he's just, he's or just chilling in his booth. little trailer behind a drive, drive-in drive cinema. Yeah, that's so with cool. With the dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he has so many... Brad Pitt has never looked as in tune with a character, I don't think. I mean, he, this is True. the best use of his charisma as an actor mm-hmm. to match a character. Sure. Because he isn't playing himself. It's not Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where he's pretty much just 
Brad Pitt being Brad Pitt. Well, yeah, they'd just gotten married. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> and Jolie had yeah, just gotten like, married, and then they made this movie yeah. together. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith is Brad Pitt just being Brad Pitt. Ocean's yeah. Eleven is Brad Pitt just being cool. Here is the same yeah, character, exactly but you don't know where he's coming from. Yeah. Whereas DiCaprio is full force in this goddamn movie. Oh my movie. god, yeah, he's falling apart. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so great. He does an amazing job. Oh, and yeah. especially the the when they're actually making the movie about halfway through. The TV show, you mean? No. Yeah, when he gets the episode of the episode TV show. Episode of Lancer, which is a real show. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets the he gets to play the villain and he does this amazing scene with the little girl. Oh yeah. God, that was really good acting. I've I yeah. don't I don't think I've seen DiCaprio act that well in well, an actual he, well, movie, he has, but here he's doing it you know, like a fake <laughs> No, but I mean he's got two of them because he did one, which is him in the trailer before he yeah, does this. Yeah, scene. that's true, that's true. That's an amazing and, scene. Oh my god, the freak out he's yeah. having is unbelievable. <laughs> my absolute favorite scene in the whole movie is him. In that trailer, yeah. literally berating himself for drinking, and moments later starts drinking and then gets angry at himself for drinking again. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's so that was beautifully the played. level of freakout he's having, like looking himself in the mirror and threatening to shoot himself if he fucks mm-hmm. up the line again. It's yeah, like, what am I? Also, the line eight whiskey sours. What the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, that's couldn't stop it too. <laughs> couldn't stop it too. Just like. Oh come on! It is. No, it's wonderful. It is such a performance. I mean, mm. and they play off each other. Wonder because we. Yeah, the chemistry between them is great, and we see it come from right from the beginning. Because like the first big scene they have together, we meet. Oh God, Al Pacino. Oh. oh. <laughs> Al Pacino, Italian film producer. Yeah. <clears throat> and myself, a little Rick Dalton film festival. It's so <laughs> it's great. So- it's very, it's very Pacino. I mean, it's it's about as Pacino as you can get. But it's it's old Pacino. It's this old is Pacino. the good Pacino. This isn't Jack and Jill Pacino. <laughs> You've seen that? No, I have not. I saw the clip on YouTube. I refuse to give Adam Sandler money with the Dunkin' Donuts dance. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Beautiful. No, I mean this is classic Pacino with real presence, and him just jawing is just great. Him just talking to Rick Dalton. And selling him on going to Italy to make movies. Yeah. And the little speech he does is really solid. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, why don't you go to Italy and start winning fights again? It's like, okay. That's very convincing. And you really get where this is coming from. You, Mm -hmm. you, the career trajectory that Rick Dalton has had is really clear. I was pretty much on board with the movie after that scene. Yeah. Because then I was like, okay. I, I want to see what happens with these characters. I mean, you know what got me? It's kind of like, the Pacino thing is great. Him tussling around his little viewing theater in his robe with yeah. a, little, a little glass of cognac. Yeah, with his wife. <laughs> so cute. 35 millimeter print. It's like, oh, dude, I want that life. I want to be able to walk into my with little viewing booth. With a little ascot, a little robe, a little glass of cognac, and put on my 35 millimeter print of <clears throat> the 15 fists of McClunky. Or whatever yeah, it was. Like, or the 15. McCluskey. McCluskey. McCluskey is the Star Wars. Yeah, it's such a great title. I want this movie. I don't know what this movie is based off. I don't know where Tarantino got it. I want this movie. I want that movie. He should definitely make them. Oh, he should. But it's like just like how they made the 
those uh, Planet Terror like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the trailer yeah, the they actually yeah, made yeah. machete Rob Zombie did a thing yeah they actually for... made machete they actually did but <laughs> so stupid <laughs> so stupid it's so great though but yeah I mean I, like that sold me on the world they were building yeah. I love this place this era of Hollywood they're showing me mm-hmm. but right afterwards where uh. DiCaprio has, they get in the car, and DiCaprio can't drive because he has too many DUIs, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and we get these wonderful little Kurt Russell vo- voiceover bits, like he's narrating the film. That's true, and he has a little uh, cameo. He has a little cameo. It was great. <laughs> but when Dalton, or DiCaprio, has this breakdown in the car, like he gets emotional, he's kind of like, Yeah, right before I they washed get in the up, car. Buddy. Yeah. And there's this wonderful little moment where, you know, you, any movie... Two big actors, very macho stars, this era. You're expecting a a suck it up or get off me and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And you just got, you know, Brad Pitt in his very cool, chill, Cliff Booth mode kind of reaching over going like, you know, it's all right, buddy. Here, put some sunglasses on. You're okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really... Comforting. And it's like... Okay. Well, that's what I mean. Like, the chemistry between them was really yeah, great. Yeah, that was the little bit... Like, that little moment, I'm like, okay, I want to see what these people are guys are up to. Mm. And then I realized what the movie was. This is a hangout movie. It's bro love, man. It's bro love. It's a <laughs> hangout film. But I'm like, oh, I love that. Because the genre is important. Sure. And once you know what genre you're in, you're you feel a little safer about the movie you're watching because you're not too scared where you're gonna be taken. Yeah, yeah, because that was the thing with. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the. I mean, you you have it. Tarantino has a history. Tarantino has a real history. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I mean by it, it caught me a bit off guard because I was like, okay, so this is a very different Tarantino movie, and, oh, I, was, yeah. and I was fully on board. If he makes a tar- another movie where he has no violence in, yeah. Or very subdued. I am fully on board. The guy is really competent. He's really sold me on the fact that he can do that. Yeah. Because this movie is really low on the violence. It's not too profane. Like, unnecessarily trying to aggravate people. And the drama's done really well. The drama's direct. The writing is amazing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of this movie that is both naturalistic and lyrical in in its language. It's like, it has a great script. Especially the scenes when they're doing Lancer. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so good. And you're kind of like... When he has that little conversation with the little girl, it was absolutely incredible. And this is the first time I've thought to myself, please, Tarantino, don't stop at 10. He's been threatening that for years. He's he's still on board if they're going to make a Star Trek. Yeah, but I'm like, you know what? (laughs) Which is a weird thing. I want to see where he goes. Yeah. Because he's getting better. I can see his trajectory is maturing. Which is that's the, that's the word you awesome. want to use. It's maturing. It's no longer the sort of yeah. The he's not blood throwing yeah movies. That, I, I mean, they're great. They've always been. So his movies have always been sort of a step up above others in the same genres. Yes. No. Completely. Uh, so he's always been a really competent director and probably one of the greatest directors of our time. Yeah. Uh, but seeing him take on more dramatic uh, movies like this one. I think uh, I would love to see him do that more. I, I I would adore it because, I mean, there's so much about this movie that works really, really well on a pure, like, narrative level. The drama mm-hmm. is really mm-hmm. good and beyond yeah. all the shock factor stuff. Yeah, because just, just, he's always been really good at character interplay. Like, dialogue yeah. scenes between characters has always been his, his forte. 
Yeah. Like, he does that incredibly well. But he's only usually had one or two... He's only had enough room for one or two of those. Yeah. Dr. Schultz and Django, you know, uh, Jules and... Uh, What's his name? What's Travolta's name in that? I can't remember. Uh, You know what I I mean. I want to say Vern, but it's not... Vincent? Vincent. Yeah, Vincent and Jules, you know, he's... He's always had, like, a couple of these, like, bromances in his movies, but he usually doesn't have a lot of room for more than that. Yeah, which is why, like, a dramatic movie would have more time for that, yeah. for building up. And, and he, what... he kind of found a great balance, I'm sorry to, yeah, to cut ahead, you off, but he kind of found a great way to sort of circumvent that with Hateful Eight. Yep. Where the whole movie is just a situational drama, essentially. Yes, pretty much. It's a, it's a, chamber, it's a chamber drama. It's, it's a chamber like, drama, it's yeah. A, it's an Agatha Christie on steroids. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. It's Agatha Christie on steroids, where, you know, you have these, these eight people stuck in a room. Yeah. Essentially. And it works and, really well. And the whole movie is just this really tension-filled dialogue. But here's the thing, though. With that, bursts of That violence. movie gets kind of... Hateful Eight works really well, but on one level, it kind of defeats its own purpose because the drama's great the writing's fantastic but then we keep being distracted by the Tarantino-ness yes which is kind of like okay this is really great Samuel L. Jackson is putting in a hell of a performance mm-hmm. I'm sorry he made a man do what in the snow yeah and you're kind of it yeah, takes you out of exactly. it exactly and, and that's, like, that's what I mean by, by sort of taking out the or maturing essentially yeah. that's what I mean by maturing like you're, you can actually see a transition in his movies and I would love to see what that evolves into yes because, I, I mean, if we're going to follow the trajectory, what I'm comparing him to now, and I never used to, is Scorsese. I was just about to say that. Yeah, because we start off with stuff like Mean Streets, we go mm-hmm. into something like Taxi Driver, Absolutely. where, yeah, the drama's great, the writing's fantastic, the shock factor is very present. And then we end up with stuff like Seven, or not Seven, um, what am I thinking, um, Silence? Yeah, Silence. Silence, you know, very mature, composed, and yet intensely engaging. Yeah. You know, and that's... That's another movie. Shutter Island. But yeah, Shutter Island. You know, it's like that maturing really works Mm -hmm. for some of these directors. And I think Tarantino has that potential, and I didn't used to think so. This movie sold me on it. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I was the same way. Because for me, Jackie Brown is the point where I thought that was coming, and then he went back again. Because Jackie Brown has a uh, lot more in common with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than any of the other films. No, I have to see it. You really do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if for no other reason than the... Um, uh, what is her name again? Uh, uh, I can't remember the main actress's name. Uh, is she from The L Word? No. Uh, Pam Greer? Yeah, Pam Greer. She's Pam Greer. Is she in L Word? Yeah. I've never watched The L Word. But... <laughs> I don't know. Why would you? I don't But Pam Greer is amazing <laughs> in that movie. I don't know why that was the first thing that popped in my head. <laughs> I love the fact that this lady has such a filmography of like classic like black exploitation movies yeah, and such. And you went for, for the L word. Uh, the L word, yeah. <laughs> that says a lot about you, my friend, but uh, I don't judge. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a very wide breadth of uh, taste. Sure you do. <laughs> no, but I mean... And this movie just... I, I could watch hours of them driving around mm-hmm. old L.A. I, yeah. It was kind of sad so cool. sad when, when he actually went to Italy. Because <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it. they don't spend a lot of time there. No, it's essentially a montage. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's follow through. So, we've gone... We've kind of figured out who Cliff Booth is. Kind of figured out who... Um, 
Rick Dalton is. Oh, my favorite thing. Yeah, go for well, it. Well, actually, so it's not really my favorite. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's, it's, what, it's one, one of the one of the one of the best moments in the movie. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Is an interview with Bruce Lee. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> So good. What that was so is funny. Happening? That was so funny. And then the re- the wife's reaction after he dents the car, which is great. Because <laughs> Kurt Russell does has a little cameo, and I love that cameo. Yeah, it's so no, great. it's really great. I mean, that comes a little bit later in the movie. But I, don't, I don't want to spoil the movie to be honest. No, I kind of I, I kind of want to try to stay away it. from yeah. it a little bit because it is. The, the one thing but, I, but the, yeah just to, what my point was going to be was yeah. like this movie is filled with these like really great moments throughout the whole movie yeah and there's really not a dull moment no the, it's, the, the, the dullest moment is actually the the Manson stuff those are the dullest moments but I gotta I mean here's the thing I will say and this moment this is like a little bit later in the film we've got Cliff Booth he has to go and fix an antenna right mm, yeah I love that scene and I mean, let's be let's be clear. I, I don't think there's a lot of men in this world who looked at that scene and didn't think, this is not fair. 56-year-old Brad Pitt strips off his shirt. Oh, my God. And yeah. you're just like, fuck you, pal. <laughs> just, this He's is got nuts. better skin than I do. And I'm 28. <laughs> this man is fitter than both of us combined. Yeah, what? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm not that fed, but go on. Neither am I. I mean, that's my point. This guy is in incredible shape for being 56. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oof. I mean, he's close to the same age as my dad, and I can promise you my dad does not look like this. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and he... I love the fact that the, the Cliff Booth character is kind of like what makes the movie work in a lot of ways, because... There are so many details that don't add up about this guy. He's super chill. I love him buying food for his dog. Yeah. Did you notice the brand? Yeah. It was great. It was kind of like uh, a wolf wolf bite or something like that for mean dogs. It's like, he makes himself... Which plays him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he makes himself this awful looking mac and cheese because he he goes... Yeah. 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 With the the synthetic cheese. It just looked horrible. Because, I mean, later on, like, at some point in the film, like, the order doesn't matter because we're not trying to spoil here, Mm -hmm. but he drives Rick home. And Rick has this huge fucking house and a pool, mm. and he's drinking whiskey sours while in a in a, an inflatable chair in his pool <laughs> while cool. practicing his lines. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that. I don't know if that was an actual thing of the era where he had the like tape recorder of someone saying the other person's lines, yeah. and then he would say his lines. Yeah. And, and the little breaks. That was such a wonderful little thing. And I bet it's real. You, yeah, I, I bet it's real. I bet money it's real. It's such a great thing. <laughs> and it's just, it sets this character so beautifully. No one needs to do exposition on these guys. It's no. all there. Yeah, yeah, a great example of show, don't tell. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, admittedly, though, we did miss one thing, that we opened the film with an interview on the set of Bounty Law. Yeah. Which is amazing because of the tiny character direction where they're like, so, Rick Dalton, you're doing this and all the rest of it. and mm-hmm. uh, So, Cliff, you're a stunt double. Is a stunt double, and well, no, he like you know he helps me out and he takes those scenes and yeah, he's like oh because if I get injured, you know, we have to hold production several weeks and that's why we need people like Cliff over yeah, there. Yeah, like you know the help carry the load and then cut to Cliff going like and like and that's what you think, Cliff? I'm here to carry his loan load. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, that's a... I'm here to carry You're his like, load. Oh my god. Okay, you know who this guy is, mm-hmm. and you know who Rick Dalton is. It's yeah. so great. 
And, you know, we have, we've met, we, we've seen Rick's house. I don't know if you noticed this. This fucking killed me. Outside his house, he has this goddamn huge thing of his face. Yeah, the parking lot. That's yeah, yeah. how you know where to park his car. Yeah. Did you see what it actually was? Because later on, you see the big poster it's taken from. And it's him on the floor with someone stepping on his head, and they've turned it. Okay, I didn't notice that. Yeah, no, they, you see the poster later that it's from, and it's they've turned it so that it's actually him being stepped so, on. All right, well, that's from interesting. Bounty Law, and it's like, okay. <laughs> that's kind of strange. That's a weird okay. piece of symbolism, but yeah. sure. But then we follow Cliff home, driving in, like, neon L.A. at night. Yeah. Ah, uh, beautiful. The mm-hmm. music, the radio's playing, you hear yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the soundtrack is great in this movie. Oh, too. and the radio is great, because it's, like, channels and, like, little weather reports and little talk yeah, radio yeah, yeah, things yeah. going on. But we are ending up at Cliff's Place, which is a trailer behind a drive-in cinema, mm-hmm. where you can see exercise equipment outside, and he has a dog, like... Big pit bull looking, yeah, like real mean looking dog. I think the name is, yeah, a real mean looking dog that's incredibly playful, which I believe <laughs> is named after the ex-wife he may or may not have murdered. Yes, <laughs> and it's like that is such a bizarre little tick. <laughs> that's such a, that's such a great detail of the character too. <laughs> and they give you a flashback. Yeah. He's that's a war great. hero who may have murdered his wife, but Maybe. the flashback doesn't tell you if he did. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. The whole setup was amazing. Dude, they're on a boat, she's giving him shit, and then cut, and he's yeah. sitting there with a harpoon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's sitting there with a harpoon. And you can look at his face and you're like, mm. he might have done it. You might have done it. <laughs> this guy might have done it. I mean, after the Bruce Lee scene. <laughs> oh my god. And then it's just him, and this is like the part where, like, we're talking about the little moments where nothing exciting is happening, but I'm just terribly engaged by Cliff Booth at home, just yeah, making giving his dog this just slop. Oh, I don't know what terrible. It just looks awful. This, <laughs> and it's so funny because like, he puts two of them. Yeah, in and it's the different cat. flavors, and you can see him checking the flavors like yeah. he's making. One of them's like raccoon, and the other one is yeah. Like that was bear. so funny. Yeah, it was raccoon. So yeah, he pours pours two in the in the in the bowl. Yeah, and then he throws on top of like little crackers or something. Yeah, like the the and dry dog food on top of it, which is great. And then he starts making his own terrible looking mac and cheese. <laughs> I mean, you just get heart disease looking at this thing. And then this is the part that was just like, it's such a small thing, but it tells you so much about this guy. Mm-hmm. He chills, he turns on TV, he sits back, and some guy on the TV is like giving giving shit about hippies. Yeah. Where he's kind of like, yeah, and all the damn hippies with their jazz music. And you just hear Cliff Booth going, yeah. <laughs> just talking to the TV yeah. in the trailer, and you're like, okay. And not even a plate, just the whole pan in his hand yeah, <laughs> and just, a fork. <laughs> That's all it is. This guy is, like, he, you can really tell this guy is kind of a proto-stoner. Yeah. Which, uh, sort of uh, yeah. hinted at later on. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That's kind of oh. like what kicks off. <laughs> Man, that ending. Which but, is really great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, like, he... we These characters are what keeps everything going. Mm-hmm. There's not a hell of a lot of narrative momentum, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. But there's so much intriguing character. You're just so interested in these yeah. people. 
and I guess we could mention without spoiling that you you might be like us and afraid that he was gonna you know soil the memory of of Sharon Tate like yeah. I've seen in that other movie that I mentioned our worst of and best yeah. of yeah. I remember that. Yeah, the haunting of oh, Sharon Tate. Hell, don't watch that. No, no <laughs> don't do it yourself. <laughs> Please. Because, I mean, that's what everyone was... I was certainly what I was worried about when I walked into this. Yeah. Like, you know where the you know where the Manson story ends, and it's yeah. with Sharon Tate. And you know Sharon Tate's in this movie. Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, okay, well, I've seen what Tarantino does. Margot Robbie lookalike. Margot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, I mean, this isn't spoiler. Let's talk about the Sharon Tate scene in the middle of the movie. Yeah, so what I was expecting was going to be the ending, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which is, because what I had gotten out of the movie until that scene was that, you know, this is sort of an homage to Hollywood. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, so. This is a love letter, man. I mean, yeah. This is all about that era of Hollywood. Yeah, so I was thinking that maybe they're just going to do like a, a nice little homage and, and montage of Sharon Tate's movies and, and yeah, roles that she had throughout the years, uh, what she was at when she was alive and active as an actress yeah. or actor. Uh, so yeah, uh, that happens in the middle of the movie. So that made me, again, tense up because I was like, oh shit, if this is happening in the middle of the movie. <laughs> Where are we ending? Yeah. But I mean, this is, Margot Robbie is amazing in this. It's not her. <laughs> No, 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 but like her bit as Tate. Not that. Not. I'm not talking about when she goes into the cinema. Like, but it's not Margot Robbie though. What are you talking about? Margot Robbie isn't in the movie, is she? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not her. Is that her? That is her. Oh, okay. What are you talking about? I thought that was the other girl. That's like it looks so much like her. No, no, no. It actually not, is Margot Robbie. Margot All right, Robbie. never mind. Yeah, okay, never mind. Never mind. No, <laughs> I was completely what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> I was completely confused. No, because, I mean, you got Sharon Tate, and she lives next door to Rick Dalton. That's kind of like, she's yeah. the neighbor, and this is the point where she's married to Roman Polanski, mm. who I'm also very thankful is almost not in this goddamn Yeah, movie. you don't hear him say anything. <laughs> he talks, like, to the dog at one point. Like, Maybe? Yeah, no, yeah. there's a little bit where he's kind of like, the, the dog has some terribly cutesy, stupid name. Ah, uh, yeah, when he's on the phone with the porch. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, Polanski, thankfully, not in this movie at all, really. Yeah. He's a couple of times in his lost in power suit, and that's fucking yeah, that fine. Looked really funny. Because <laughs> there's like there's two people you don't want to see a lot of in this movie because they are uncomfortable characters. Yeah, Charles Manson for obvious reasons, Roman Polanski for perhaps less obvious to some people, but certainly certainly bad uncomfortable bad. reasons. Yes, what happened after this story with Polanski is not okay. No, look it up yourself. I don't want to talk about it. Sure, and. But they give quite a lot of screen, not too much screen time, but some really nice segments to Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate being a person. Mm -hmm. So she is driving around, she picks up a hitchhiking hippie girl, I think half the audience who knows the story goes, and then yeah. it's actually fine. <laughs> yeah, it was actually completely fine. <laughs> and Margot Robbie carries a lot of, like, she does a really good job of creating human but really sweet yeah, it was incredibly sweet. Yeah, I think very that's, tender, that's definitely... very warm, very nice. It's nice yeah. to watch. Wholesome, I guess you would call it. Sure. And a lot of feet. A lot of feet, because <laughs> it's Tarantino. Because Tarantino. I mean, there's, a, there's, there's more feet later that's more direct, to put yeah. it that way. 
But oh uh, my god, the, this movie. <laughs> Oof. Like yeah. usually there's like one or two scenes. This movie goes all out. <laughs> yeah, you can really tell he's stopped caring. He's, he's like, really... you know what? I'm out. I'm proud. He's like, deal he's, with like it. he's like, people are on to me. That's it. I'm, out. <laughs> I'm gonna go all out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is pretty much like the um, Joel Schumacher and Batman and Robin. We are yeah. not hiding anything no. anymore. <laughs> it's just like, you know, well, why not give them? Yeah, Batman? you know what? Hey. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Have you heard his excuse for why he put Batmanables on? Go on. Because it's really normal. It was just like, because the, the suits are so anatomically correct. Uh-huh. So he's like, why not have the nipples on? Everything else is showing. So he's like, sure all right. Thing, Joel. Yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> I didn't notice all the naked statues. The, yeah, uh, the, the Greek statues. These super close-ups of the butt in spandex. Oh, yeah. In spandex. yeah, yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's Rubber look butts, that's where it's all at. Yeah, let's look through the list and see if you have a justification for all of these, shall we? <laughs> Joel Schumacher needs to give up the goddamn ghost. <laughs> but yeah, no, you got this, like, and Sharon Tate goes to the cinema to watch her own movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a great little bit. Yeah, yeah, because they actually spend quite a bit of uh, screen time before she enters the theater, which is really great. Yeah, when it's just this wonderful mm-hmm. little scene. Like yeah, her trying like, but what if I'm in the movie? Yeah, <laughs> and it's not demanding. It's not like uh, arrogant. It's just kind of like she she's not super famous at this point. She is yeah. a side character in a few films. Her biggest film was in the Valley of the Dolls, which mm-hmm. is referenced in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but also they reference it fantastically, which is kind of like, oh, are you the the blonde girl? No, are, are you the one who the no? I'm the one who dies on drugs. Or something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like, like, oh. <laughs> but I mean, the other thing is like you know talking about like the homage to this era. I love this idea of like an old school cinema where. This guy, like, there's a maitre d'-looking dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome really... to the Brethren, or whatever it's called. Like, there, there's it's a name for the, yeah. to the theater, and it's really sweet, again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely the word I would use. It is very yeah. sweet. Mm. And I, I like, I love that that is in this movie, that they took the time for it. Mm-hmm. Of all of Tarantino's films, this one has felt the most... There's a lot of breathing room. It's patient. It's very relaxed. yeah. It's not, I mean, even though, so like like I was saying earlier, he's really great at this inter-character mm-hmm. dialogue. Yeah. The interplay between characters. Uh, but usually it's very tension-filled dialogue. Oh, yeah. This takes the tension right out of most of the dialogue in yeah. this movie. And you're just sat there with great character moments. Because it, I think it works in two ways. Number one, they've got really good writing so you know you can trust the dialogue to be engaging mm-hmm. and number two you know where the end of the station is on this train mm-hmm. and there is tension in that because this is it, it you are literally watching something heading for disaster and that is not something you can get away from watching this movie the second sure. Sharon Tate is introduced into this film and you know what the time period is and you know anything about what this film is about the time it, it's it is the thing that is like a Tarantino staple, which is the Hitchcock example. We know there's a ticking bomb under the table. Yeah. And now we're watching the conversation as it ticks down. There is a bomb at the end of this movie and you know it. And yeah. you kind of are always waiting for to see when it goes off. Yeah, and I was hoping that it was not gonna go off. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, just you know, end it peacefully. <laughs> yeah. And I mean it doesn't end in, it peacefully, in a sense. But it does not doesn't go there. 
Let's, yeah, let's just mean, put it that way. It yeah, doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't go doesn't... there, and I've never been more relieved in a theater. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Uh, it because uh, I I don't know if we mentioned that during the episode or was before if it was the conversation before, but yeah, 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 yeah. Tarantino does a lot of weird things with his historical accuracy. <laughs> yeah, because he's kind of in a weird. There's a couple of characters who are very much invented for this film, mm-hmm. uh, specifically Rick Dalton, Cliff Booth. And one of the Manson girls who Cliff Booth interacts with. Yeah. They are all matters of imagination. The rest of the characters are either real or very directly based off a real person. Uh, For example, the Pacino character isn't an actual person, but it's very much referencing a specific producer at that time period who worked with Leone. And kind of doing that makes for an interesting historical record. And I was really mentioning Leone because it was really funny when uh, Dalton talks about he's going to be working with the second best Italian yeah, I Western. Love it. <laughs> no, no. Also, the other one that's really great is kind of like, I don't want to be in no goddamn Italian movies. Yeah. They're no good. And then Cliff Booth goes, how many have you seen? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, enough. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's such a fantastic moment because yeah. you're like, okay, these guys know each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I mean, that's the thing you really connect with. Like, they don't talk like movie characters; they talk like you and me. Yeah. And I, I literally, when I was watching this movie, I remember <clears throat> our conversations have sometimes sounded like Rick Dalton mm, yeah, and Cliff Sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, you you know when two guys talk. Mm-hmm. And it's so great. And it's surprising how little that happens on in movies. Yeah, it really because... isn't a big thing these days. <clears throat> and I don't really blame most directors or anything like that no. for it. Because what you're taught in screenwriting school, because oh, you've yeah. been there, I is, did is usually, I did is usually like, it doesn't matter if it's realistic or not, it needs to be deliberate. Deliberate isn't really the problem. The problem is what I, the, the, the words I used before, narrative momentum. Sorry. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yep, all right. And now we both have corona. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, no, but I mean, narrative momentum, which is that pretty much always dialogue is to the overall purpose of some either a theme or a narrative point. It's all supposed to be feeding into kind of a direction of the movie. Which makes it really hard to have dialogue that is meandering or kind of purposeless, no mm-hmm. matter how interesting. You need to have a hell of a lot of faith in yourself as a writer to do that. Yeah, because it's if you listen to two people talking, the vast majority of the conversation is not interesting. Yeah, and pretty when much. you only have a limit of say around two hours to make your feature length film, yep, you can't have a lot of that because <laughs> because no. conversations can go on for like 20, 30 minutes. Ooh, your issue isn't that, I'm, I'm, and I actually know this from right, kind of like knowing into it. The this problem is, is getting the film made because scripts go through editing processes, mm-hmm. and most of the time, an editing process includes getting rid of the dead weight. Yeah. You kind of need to be where Tarantino is. He is the writer-director. He is an he is a recognized voice of kind of filmmaking in himself. No one fucks with his scripts too much. You know what I mean? If he goes for a mood, you're going to let Tarantino do it because it's Tarantino. Mm-hmm. You almost need to be in that position of your career to be able to make movies like this because the rest of the time, the 
kind of the mechanics of how a Hollywood script is produced will get rid of a lot of these conversations. Is it a cut on time or is it just, just the editing process, essentially? It's because studios don't trust attention span. Mm. Well, that makes sense. The narrative momentum, the driving force of the movie always has to be forward. It's kind of like why you a lot of movies these days take a stopwatch and take the time between action beats. Yeah, no, they're very... Every every seven to ten minutes, there you are. I yeah, mean, and the... even with someone like Nolan, I mean, Inception, the chase through Mumbai is exactly that, where the studio looked at the script and said it's too long between action beats. Put one right there, okay. Even someone in Nolan's caliber, at least at that point in his career. Nowadays, I think he could probably get away with it because he is again a recognized voice. Yeah. And, but, it's, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, no, I mean, there's a reason for it. But yeah. a Hangout movie is a hard sell these days because of how much money it takes to make a movie. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. No, and I mean, Tarantino is kind of the master of this. And there's a lot of bits of Django that kind of work this way. Yeah. But you'll notice that in Django, even when they're just chatting, there's usually momentum. I mean, my the best example in Django is the uh, Brumhilda... Uh, and um, I can't remember the or uh, is it uh, the name of the hero? I can't remember, but it's like they're talking about the German myth yeah. of um, the guy who has to go save the princess. Mm-hmm. Which you know, it sounds like just a conversation about story, but is very clearly reflecting what the movie's about. Yeah, and that's I guess that's sort of the the fine line that you can sort of cross if. Because then it's no longer dead weight. Cause yeah, that's because it's narrative then, exposition. Yeah, now it's, it's informing it's, the story. It's informing the story, it's informing the theme, it's and, creating that effect. Yeah, another great example of Tarantino yeah. in Glorious Bastards, one of the opening scenes is with uh, Christoph Waltz's character, I forget mm-hmm. his name, when yeah. he talks about finding yeah, the, uh, the, the, the rats. Yeah, <laughs> the Jew hunter bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one in, in Glorious Bastards, which is very clearly kind of about this kind of thing, is... Uh, when you have uh, Fassbender talking about German cinema, which is kind of like proving he used to work as a film critic and you're just talking about uh, filmmaking pretty much. Mm-hmm. But it does inform later in the film when he has to justify himself as a German. Yeah. So it has narrative importance. Versus, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, those, <laughs> yeah, can't like, see me, but yeah. Yeah, like you're raising three fingers. Like, yeah, it's this thing how where you raise your three fingers. The right. dialogue has to have purpose. Yeah. This movie, the dialogue has purpose, but it's all about character. Yeah, and it works great in this movie. Yeah, it really does. And the dialogue is like the best part of it. Mm-hmm. You're not watching this movie for the action sequences. No. You're watching this movie to hear these conversations. And they yeah. really are really good. For sure. So. So, the, oh, no, yeah, the, thing, the one thing we were okay. going to mention, though, is <laughs> the Sharon Tate bit. Where Marco Robbie goes into the cinema to watch her own movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's <laughs> a Sharon Tate film, and they have not done a digital replace. Yeah, because uh, all the other scenes were it... digitally replaced by the corresponding actors. And she's the only actor that's not. Yeah, Sharon Tate is. You are literally watching a part of a Sharon Tate film, mm-hmm. which is probably most people's only experience with a Sharon Tate film. I have never seen a Sharon Tate movie. Yeah. So from and I think that like that really is the best send up, uh, Tarantino could have done, mm. and I think that's probably why I like this movie more than almost any other Tarantino film, which is that 
most of the time, his love of cinema feels very abstract. Here, it kind of feels a little bit personal. It's yeah, You can it's... tell there's a real affection, not just a enjoyment, but an actual tender affection for this late woman, her legacy, and this era of filmmaking. This feels like a personal movie for Tarantino, which is rare for him. Yeah, exactly, and that's what I, that's what I meant. It's like it feels much more like you were saying personal, and it's a like very subdued and different movie. Yeah, it's I would a different say pace. very different from any of his other work. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and I'm not a huge Tarantino fan, generally speaking, uh, just because I'm not a like gratuitous violence isn't really my thing. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, but I've always enjoyed his movies, mm-hmm. uh, overall, and but this one really got me, yeah, no, got me engaged. Uh, so so yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to his future movies if he yeah. makes any. And I mean, well, I think we've referenced it before, but my God, the Lancer scene where yeah. Rick Dalton has to be in this cowboy uh, oh. show. That is just unbelievable. Such a, such a great scene. I mean. Like like I was saying earlier, like it, I've seen like Leonardo DiCaprio is a good actor. Oh yeah, he's even a great actor. He's a great actor when he when he's given the right tools. Yeah, but in that scene, I've never seen DiCaprio act that well in any movie, let alone a show within a movie. Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> yeah <no>. like, <laughs> I mean, just, to, here, I mean, this is DiCaprio's showreel for the rest of his life. He's got he's got three scenes after each other. All three of which are incredible. Yeah. Him talking to the little girl. Yes. I absolutely love that scene so much. That little girl is amazing. And Terry yes. I mean, I don't know I don't who, know who she, she is. is but yeah. <laughs> holy crap, that girl's got a career ahead of her. Yeah, it might be like a lucky strike, just like Marco Robbie with uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. No, I mean, she is... That little girl is really good in this scene. Really, really and good. I mean, you're you're watching this movie, and I'm used to DiCaprio being pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And when he starts talking about this book he's reading, this yeah. Bronco writer who has losing his like he lost his broke his back or something, and his career is going on down. Yeah, and you can just see him like realizing he's talking about himself. <laughs> yeah, and he's just and his heart is breaking. And then this perfect little character moment, this this girl's like, there, there, it's okay. And he's like, thank you, thank you, honey, or something like that. Yeah. And she says, look, I realize you're upset. I don't like nicknames. Yeah. But we'll talk about this later. A little lady. Is a, a little lady. Like, I, I, don't, I don't like being told. That, but, and you're yeah. just like, oh, gay. Yeah. This that was, is such great. a beautiful little scene. Followed by his freak out in the trailer, mm-hmm. which is... Full force. It, it kind of had like a nice throwback to Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, Speaking of Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. For, the one it reminded me of is uh, Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. That's yeah. that's sort of the scene. I guess like yeah. that's almost verbatim the scene. Oh, not quite. It's like a little bit more expressive than that. But yeah, it's kind of like this. This is a proper old school. Let's give this actor a mirror and let's see what the fuck happens. Yeah, and let's just intercut between the little little great freakouts. It's such an amazing freakout. It is one of the great cinematic freakouts. Yeah. And then we follow up with the Lancer scene, which is is Rick Dalton as an actor portraying the bad guy in an episode of a Western show. Yeah. 
And it was just breathtaking. And I gotta tell you, Evil Sexy Hamlet is a perfect yeah, description. Evil Sexy Hamlet. That's so great. <laughs> and it's... And it's director. I, okay, this is kind of like a little small fun fact. The character... Not not the actor playing him, but the character in the, in the movie is Sam Wanamaker. Uh, he was an actor who then episode, directed some episodes of Lancer. He's also pretty much single-handedly responsible for rebuilding the London Globe, the Shakespeare Theatre. Hmm. He was, like, a huge proponent of old Shakespeare and just poured a lot of money and effort into rebuilding the globe after it burnt down. So him okay. giving a Shakespearean character is perfect. Yeah. Sexy evil Hamlet. No, no. Zapata hat. It's just... <laughs> everything this man says is amazing. Uh. And these three scenes are just... That is a knockout of a performance. This mm-hmm. is Rick Dalton. This is DiCaprio's best work in ever i don't i can't remember him ever being better yeah exactly which is uh, you know re- which really puts into perspective what he actually won the oscar for which was revenant <laughs> the movie where he doesn't act no nope, <laughs> very <really>. much <laughs> i'm just gonna and, eat this raw yeah. buffalo liver <laughs> and in my opinion uh, tom hardy did a much much better much job, job. <laughs> But, uh, and I but, don't yeah. blame DiCaprio. Just he didn't give him a lot to work with. No, I mean that was that was the role, and he did the role really well. Really but well. it's not really an Oscar worthy role. I mean, he should have won it for Wolf of, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I just love the fact that Rob Reiner's in that as his dad, the that's guy who true. directed Princess Bride. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just love that, but it's like no, I. No. DiCaprio has sometimes really pulled it out. He usually does it for Scorsese. I mean, him and Django is great. Yes. This is the best DiCaprio's ever been as mm. Rick Dalton, and it's an amazing performance. Yeah, yeah, because I I totally agree. I think DiCaprio usually is a really good and sometimes even great actor, uh, but for the most part, it's DiCaprio playing a DiCaprio role. Yeah, <laughs> like and you know this what I mean. It's interesting because this is a DiCaprio role, but. With enough pathos and just a little bit a lot a little bit of self recognition. Enough self organization, I think. And to, I think to really that has it. a. It's the same thing for the Cliff Booth character, which is that it is a very Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt kind of role, but with just a little bit of a recognition of the almost dangerous quality behind that. Yeah. And that, I think, this is. If he didn't know who he was casting when writing this, Tarantino looked the hell out. For sure. You gotta assume he wrote it for them specifically because it is too good a match. Mm. And uh, yeah, and even the guy from Homeland and Billions oh, plays Steve Christ. McQueen in that one what scene. What is his name? I can't remember. I don't know. But that was a great little scene because he talks he looks about, like Steve McQueen. He does, right? It really he does. It really does. <laughs> and you know, he was talking about uh, Sharon Tate yeah. in that scene. It was just a beautiful little scene. And that has absolutely. Yeah, they're at the Playboy Mansion, I think. Yeah, they're, they yeah. are at the Playboy Mansion. And that has so little to do with the rest of the movie, but it's like these little great character moments throughout the whole movie. Yeah, and I mean, and you know, you sometimes hear about a movie talking about like a city or a location as character. LA, 1960, whatever, is, the char- is a character in this movie. There is so much personality in these settings. That they yeah. set up uh, the move, drive-in theater, Rick's pl- house. I love the old uh, ranch. Oh place yeah, the, where they, the uh, film ranch. The film ranch. Yeah, we'll get there. But I want to mention one thing first, which is I don't know if you know this, but this is really cool. 
So at one point they say Rick Dalton gets driven home by by um, Cliff and says, "You want to come in and watch my FBI?" Yeah. So they go in and they're watching an episode of FBI, which is this old, like, hugely popular show where Rick Dalton's playing a bad guy, right? Mm -hmm. That is an actual episode. It is a shot-for-shot recreation of an episode of FBI, but it was Burt Reynolds, not Rick Dalton. Yeah, I thought they just uh, cut the character out. I don't know that they were actually reenacting. I don't know if it was a reenactment or if it was a insert shot. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they did insert. I'm pretty sure they did insert when they talk about the Great Escape. Yes, and that's kind of the weird thing where you don't know exactly what that scene is. Because on the set of Lancer, um, who is that actor? I can't remember. There's an actor who plays the Lancer character. He's the guy who plays uh, the first. He's the he's the guy who plays the first Hitman movie. Oliphant. Uh, Oliphant. Timothy yeah. Oliphant. Yeah, that's his name. And he's chatting with. Uh, he's Car- in Justified, isn't he? Yeah, he's in Justified. Yeah. He's chatting with DiCaprio, and he's saying, "Weren't you like in the greatest or considered for the Great Escape?" And then we see a scene from the Great Escape, but it's with Rick Dalton. Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Wait, okay, what is this scene? Is he did he screen test for it and get fired? Did he not?" Did he imagine he was going to get it? Like, no, I'm pretty sure that that's what that... Because the whole movie, the, they don't really do, like, oh, imagination or or, or stuff in the, yeah, the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it's so like, it's, I'm pretty sure that what that was hinting at was that he did do a screen test yeah. and just didn't get the part or which something. Which is, like, why probably why he left the show, Bounty Law, which is, yeah, like, trying exactly. to get that role. Yeah, and then he didn't get it. And, and then Steve McQueen ruined, got it. Yeah, and that kind of ruined his career. Yeah, which is, like... Really interesting. Again, yeah. there's little, little, little pieces of Hollywood history kind of mm-hmm. influencing this. I just, it's, there's so much little stuff going on in this movie. This is a puzzle piece movie. Like, there isn't a huge overarching thing happening. There's just little pieces that fit together really perfectly. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's probably, it might be a bit intimidating with the screen, the, the runtime, I mean, but it kind of flew by, to be honest. Yeah, because it is... This movie isn't asking you to remember details. It isn't a murder mystery. It's not like you need to follow the clues. You're just hanging out. Yeah. And then suddenly have, like, the the third act of the movie, they end the second act of the movie just going like, yeah, and then they went to Italy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? <laughs> and that that, that's, that threw me a bit off. Yeah, yeah like, me I too. Like, I, was I, like, I, was, I was so engaged all the way up until that point, and I was just like, oh, okay... <laughs> That's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, and then it's kind of like we want like a little interlude of all the stuff that happened in Italy. With yeah, lots of, like a little montage. A little past, a lot of pasta being eaten, and some <laughs> terrible like, what is what is the guy's name? There's like a ter- character. Um... I know, I just saw it like yeah. a few days ago, but my god, <laughs> uh, I can't remember. But it's kind of like it's it's very Clint Eastwood career trajectory stuff yeah. going on. I mean, and that's pretty much what Eastwood's career was. He did Rawhide, mm-hmm. which was an American Western show, which he then left, tried to make it in movies, didn't quite work out in Hollywood, ended up going and doing Italian movies with Leone. Yeah. Leone. So, I mean, there's so much of this which is reflected in Hollywood history. Yeah. And uh, I gotta tell you, uh, Brad Pitt with Mutton Jobs, that's a look. Yes. That is such <laughs> that is a look. A look. That is definitely a look. And, uh, you know, I love the voiceover in that little montage. Yeah, like, Kurt you know, Russell. And Kurt Russell got... showed us up in the movie, as we mentioned. Yeah. yeah. 
Which kind of brings us back to our little trilogy yeah, that we did earlier. Exactly. <laughs> that which we just finished. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, so the little, yeah, so he was talking like, you know, and he put on 13 pounds. Oh, so yeah. he got married to Love this. the paparazzi. Yeah, he loves the paparazzi. <laughs> Nebraska Jim. Nebraska Jim, yes. Yeah, yeah. Nebraska just, Jim. I just have it in my head. And listen yes. to, oh listen to Al Pacino going, Sergio, Sergio <laughs> turn on Channel 7. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. looking at your Nebraska Jim. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> it's so yes. good. I love that scene. <laughs> That's so uh, great. I mean, it, and I mean, we haven't even talked about the uh, what actually surprisingly might be the most controversial scene in the film, the Bruce Lee bit. Is it? Yeah, because there was a lot of shit he and that happened after that because of the family of Bruce Lee got very upset about that portrayal. Well, he was known as the little guy with the mouth. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, yeah, but apparently, yeah, the family took real offense, and there was a lot of shit talking going on back and forth, and that's surprising. Yeah, I don't know why this really struck that chord, but the deal is that when Cliff Booth has to go and fix this aerial, he climbs on the roof, he's doing the job, and he's thinking back, why isn't he been asked to do stunt work on this Lancer show? Yeah. And we end up in this amazing little flashback. Yeah, no, I, that's what's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, it's <laughs> so great, which is... What essentially happens is that uh, Kurt Russell is trying to say like dude can we not have this guy on my set he he probably killed his wife he's kind of freaking yeah. me out and then he does uh dalton a solid and he brings him on yeah he's because like, Dal fine. dalton pretty much yeah. says that, look he's a war hero yeah he's, he's my stuntman come on and you're not gonna find someone better than him that's yeah. actually Allah. and i think it's green hornet yeah, it's Green Hornet. It's Green Hornet. Yeah. And then... Because uh, that was the the one that he, where Bruce Lee was, uh, yeah. was involved. And Bruce... Best line of the movie, which is kind of like... The judge says, if I killed a man with my hands, it would be considered... It's a lethal weapon. A lethal weapon. At which point he's like... That's called manslaughter. <laughs> yeah. Like anyone who kills someone with their hands... Goes to jail. <laughs> And yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's such a such a great little scene. Bruce Lee versus Cliff Booth. Well, Bruce Lee uh, reportedly. Mm -hmm. So what's actually been recorded and, and reported on? Yep, he's only actually had one real fight, and the story goes that it pretty much ended up being like any fight that you see on the street, where it starts out with someone trying to punch and kick, but eventually just people rolling on the floor. Yeah. So, for all of his technique and all that stuff, when it came down to a real fight, it just ended up not really mattering all that much. Which isn't entirely surprising. No. That's the same for most martial and arts. And he's an actor first and foremost. He's not really like a... I mean, he was a, no, he was a professional martial artist. Yeah, like he, tra he, trained, he trained under uh, Ip Man and yeah. all that stuff with uh, Wing Chun. Wing Chun, he did his own thing. Jit Kune Do. Jit Kune Do. And I mean, he was a professional martial artist. Yeah, no and, and championship. He, and, yeah, and he level. won a ton of uh, championships. Yeah, and he no had doubt. a ton of belts. Ton of belts, ton of championships. Apparently, an incredibly like a high achieving martial artist mm -hmm. who then became an actor. Yeah. At no point was he an you know a world known brawler. No, but he played himself up as one. And he and carried it, a gun at all times to avoid getting into an actual fight because he kept being challenged. Yeah. So, but but that was that was sort of a shtick was you know yeah. he's a little guy but he's like super tough and he plays himself up yeah 
Uh, Which and, you kind of would be in that situation, I suspect. Yeah. And so, you know, he would often talk about beating Ali and Mike Tyson and stuff. And yeah. it is equally laughable now as it was back then, in my opinion. <laughs> Which yeah. is like... <laughs> and so they really do a great little scene with that. Yeah, here. no, it's like... Uh, and I love the fact that it is Cassius Clay, and you mm-hmm. kind of do need to know a little bit of that history to know they're talking about Ali. Because... Mm-hmm. At that point, I guess he was just... He was just called Cassius Clay. He changed his name legally later when he uh, converted. When he converted and also after... uh, Was after the Foreman fight? Oh, yeah, after the Foreman fight. Yeah, it was after the Foreman fight. Great movie, by the way. If you want to see Mm. uh, Will Smith in a dramatic role, but actually do it well. Yeah, no, (laughs) that... I mean, it, it, it... in the yet in the legends of yore, that happened. Yeah, it did happen. Will Smith did good performances. I remember yeah. these things. Where and I think that role was kind of catered to him because this is a very charismatic uh, oh, yeah. character, and uh, that right. <laughs> and so that really was really tailored to Will Smith, and he did it really well. Yeah, and then later on, he did um, Aladdin. Yes, yes, he did last year. And I gotta be honest with you, I've seen a clip now of Prince Ali. The fabulous he, Ali, blah, blah. Y'all. Y'all. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, there is a reason you left rap. Get mm. the fuck off this. Big Willie style. And oh. he's not talking about his penis. No. <laughs> oh, it, no, I just, that movie looks. I never watched the new Aladdin, I couldn't make myself. Yeah, no, but, I, I haven't seen any of the. The little clip I saw was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back to this movie. Back to this movie. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, the other thing. Tangent I can't, aside. Tangent we have, we aside. have to have a couple of those at least. <laughs> We've had plenty today. <laughs> Admittedly, this movie, it could be tangent aside. This movie yeah, takes this a movie. lot of tangents. Yes, it does. Which is kind of admirable, because... Yeah, because I guess if you don't look at the... Because there is an overarching, I guess, timeline through the movie. Yeah. But it's kind of like tiny vignettes. It is very vignette Yeah. Yeah. They don't really... Like, no no one scene sort of plays into the, the next. No, I mean... Except, like, for, except for the very end, I the guess. The very end. But yeah. I mean, the FBI scene we just mentioned comes right after the um, Spawn movie ranch. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like the tensest scene of the movie, except for the end, yeah. and it's not mentioned. It really is just a case of moving on. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's very much designed like it's built up as tiny vignettes. Yeah, I mean, this could have been a TV show. Sure, but I prefer it, it as would a movie. Been, but it would have been a pretty interesting TV show. I mean, if he cast Brad Pitt and DiCaprio in a as TV a limited, show, <laughs> like an eight episode run, yeah, like, limited series or something. And playing these characters, I I would have definitely been on board. I would have loved it, but yeah, as like a I think it works HBO really well with or something. But I mean, <clears throat> the thing I will say about the Bruce Lee bit is that I mean, all they do is kind of show him to be a bit of a big talker, a bit arrogant, and they do end in a draw with a very dented car. Yeah, but I mean that was that was him though. Yeah, it's very authentic to the to the guy. As far as I'm aware, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I haven't looked into this one this part too much, but it it makes sense. No, I mean, I, my, my, me and my brother mainly yeah. huge fan of Bruce Lee uh, right. and Bruce Lee movies, so mm-hmm. we kind of know a little bit about him. <laughs> yeah. I also love the fact that there is another <clears throat> scene with him where Sharon Tate has a little flashback to her being taught her yeah, martial arts yeah, moves yeah, yeah. because he was like a martial arts teacher to a lot of these actors and That's such true. at this point. That's true. That was also really nice. Yeah, and there's a cute little scene and it's like, there's a lot of good balance in this movie. And one thing to mention, I mean, the because they kind of uh, overlay mm. or the transparent the the training 
which was with Margot Robbie as yeah, exactly. and then the actual movie bit yep. where she does these things and seeing how closely they resemble each other <sighs> is amazing. God, it really is just... Yeah. If Mar- I mean, they got really lucky that Margot Robbie is such a good actress because yeah. the visual match is incredible. Mm-hmm. It really is. But uh, also, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy playing Bruce Lee, holy crap, he looks like Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job there. Yeah, no, I mean, overall, I mean, they did a really good job with the, with the makeup department. Oh, yeah, yeah, huge, huge yeah. job. And the casting. Should we talk about the Spawn movie ranch, or should we leave that one alone? Because that um, that touches on the Manson the stuff, and yeah. the Manson stuff is where it gets spoily. Yes. And I've tried to stay away. The thing I will say... I mean, we have talked about a lot of the movie. We but, have talked about it. But again, we kind of haven't, haven't, because we have avoided a lot of the bigger points. We've yeah. talked about the little stuff in between, mm-hmm. which is the stuff I remember the best. Yeah, same. But um, the thing I will say is kind of like... Don't let you know. We talked about this being a tame Tarantino film, right? False sense of security. You do not want to take someone who isn't prepared for a Tarantino film into this movie, or cover their eyes for the last five minutes, or that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it, the, those last five minutes—they are. I mean, it's funny though. <laughs> oh, it is. It's really, it's really played up to be really funny. Uh, can we talk about my favorite little cutaway in the entire film? It's a tiny thing from the beginning, but I just love it so much. Where, uh, uh, where we have Pacino going like, "Yeah, you bursting on these Nazis with your flamethrower. That was that mm-hmm. actually you." Cut to yeah, yeah. You know, first the <laughs> movie where you have the going true, like. That's true. Ah! Yeah, what the fuck? Who wants fried sauerkraut? <laughs> and then cut to my favorite little segment. It's kind of like, you just see Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. Yeah, because Leonardo DiCaprio says, yeah, I was actually me. I trained with that for, for I don't know like how long. three months yeah. or something. Cut to DiCaprio with a flamethrower going, Psh! Is there any way we can get it a little less hot? Yeah, he's like, whoa, that's hot. Can we make it a little less hot? Best line of the movie. <laughs> Look, it's a flamethrower. Right? Yeah, it's a <laughs> flamethrower. <laughs> And he's like, fair enough. <laughs> no, it's, it's a flamethrower, Rick. And like, not not angry, not upset, just, it's a flamethrower, Rick. And just, DiCaprio just giving this little bit like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Just, oh my god, it just, I That's burst so out great. laughing when I saw it. It is such a perfectly little time mm. piece of comedy. And then we're back to the conversation with Pacino. Yeah. But like this is what I mean. Like, it's, it's these beautiful little vignettes and yeah. character moments. <laughs> And, yeah, you just really get such an overwhelming world-building sense of this era and this time. Because I can imagine the, the, that flamethrower scene, like, even yeah. completely out of context, just some guy hitting a flamethrower and then asking for it to be a little less hot. Yeah. That could be a great TikTok or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an amazing little bit. And, I well, mean, I'm fine if you're yeah. one of my generation. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it, it is such a beautiful little moment it's just it's not building towards anything really it's not making mm. a big deal out of anything it's just kind of like ah it's cool yeah yeah yeah. no it's hilarious <laughs> and the whole movie's full of this i mean th- talking about the bruce lee scene i love the fact that we just like because we have uh cliff booth on the roof he's repairing the things kind of like you hear him in his head just going like yeah no it's uh, you know it's uh, sean's friend or whatever the guy's name kurt russell's character yeah, friend yeah. who's in <clears throat> charge here cut back after the bruce lee bit just kind of like that's fair. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the exact same thing <laughs> with the flamethrower. Like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. You yeah, know, it, like, yeah. It, you just have Cliff Booth just had this little moment of like, yeah, I get that. That's mm. fair enough. And then keeps repairing the antenna. It's just like yeah. ah, these little little character moments are so great. So, would you recommend this movie? This is an essential for me. I love this movie. I absolutely love this movie. It's a ten out of ten. This essential. is a ten out of ten for me. Yeah, it's close for me. Because uh, it's just, it's so unique in what it's doing. It is such a beautiful, I mean, for someone like me who is very into film history mm-hmm. and classic Hollywood and this era of filmmaking is something I really treasure, this is kind of like the perfect love letter. And I kind of adore it. Yeah. I, 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 it's something. It's a movie I can just turn on and have on. And just enjoy the atmosphere and that kind of easygoing memory lane feel it has. Yeah, I mean, I would keep everything and then literally end it right before the ending. And just cut that out and that would be a 10 out of 10 for me. That ending really threw me for a loop, to be honest. I agree, but I mean, I kind of, I like the ending. And the reason I like the ending is that, okay, I'm not going to get too much into it, but here's the thing I will say. If the movie had gone the way of, for example, Django, where it very much is relishing what mm-hmm. the ending is, where it's really taking great pleasure in that aspect, I wouldn't have liked it. It does a little <laughs> Yeah, but then it gets uncomfortable, and it clearly is aiming to make you uncomfortable, because it goes yeah, way sure. past the bounds of... Where you know there's a limit in uh, in as as you you know the movie ends with violence. We've clearly made that yeah. very obvious. There is a point in violence where you're kind of like, oh my god, what the hell? Oh Jesus! But if it keeps going, yeah, then it's just like, ooh, okay. Oh, and then it keeps going a little further, and you're just like, kind of sitting there, kind of kind of dog food curl- can do that. <laughs> you're curling into yourself, and that's where this movie goes. Yeah, and I think that's the part where I kind of like, I get this. This is the first time Tarantino has actually taken enough of a step back from, like, the enjoyment of violence into the uncomfortableness of what you're actually watching. Yeah. I mean, it starts out a little wacky, but yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, and it, and I think it's and... the fact that it starts wacky, you, you're like, you know, there's a lot of people, me included, who are just kind of like, there he is. Mm. Yeah, same for me. I was like, okay, that's a Tarantino. Blah, blah, blah. And then it goes past that point, and I'm kind of sitting there going... Okay, I'm actually getting uncomfortable in the cinema right now. I'm sitting there feeling uncomfortable about what I'm watching, and that's interesting. I guess. So for me, that like if it had not taken that approach to it, I probably would have uh, had more issues with it. But the fact that it's taking that particular tonal beat that it's deciding to go for... It, it's going so far overboard that it is no longer fun... Mm-hmm. And it's stripping a lot of the fun out of what's happening. That for me was kind of like a, that's a maturity thing. That's like a this is a little bit of a recognition of what you've done before and kind of taking that step of reflection. Yeah, and, and it's better than the alternative, I guess. It is so much better than the yeah. alternative, and that's uh, why I kind of stand by it. I will defend that ending a little bit. Yeah, because I think I would have pretty much just cut that bit out and then just ended with the homage, uh, the little clips of uh, Sharon Tate that happens during the credits. Yeah, and just I just had that, that one. 
uh, instead. Because, but I think that for me that would have I wouldn't have worked because it wouldn't have been because they do set up the Manson stuff, I guess. They and do, that's, but they also set so up you the want, you want, stuff. Yeah, and, and you want that to pay off, uh, which. I mean, I, I understand what Again, you mean. Again, the movie just that... has had a ticking bomb under the table yeah. for two hours and 30 minutes. And you know what? If the movie ended without that bomb going off in some fashion, it would have felt like a deflated balloon. It would have yeah. lost That's a lot true. of its no, air. No, now that I'm thinking over it, you're absolutely right. Uh, and I guess the the bright side is that it's short. It's very, it's short, very short. It is incredibly intense. Mm-hmm. And it is, again, it's this intensity where... Unlike the Django thing, it it goes so far beyond the woo factor. Yeah. It, you know, and when I watch, because I watched this in theaters, I watched this in the cinema, mm-hmm. and I remember it started and it and yeah, you you could hear people going like, oh yeah, woo, yeah, what like the finally gonna and get then things, they know. get quiet. Yeah, two minutes in, everyone shut the hell up, That's and that is an interesting feeling in a cinema when that happens because everyone is sharing that moment of this is too much the room went quiet admittedly there's a little bit at the end where people came back a little bit yeah me included but (laughs) yeah oh my god but yeah that feeling is really interesting and that's somewhere i'm not used to going emotionally in a film and it's not somewhere i ever expected to go in a tarantino film no okay so for me, that that ending really, it was about the most unexpected way they could have let the bomb go off, mm-hmm. and I'm happy they did. Sure, I, I I will defend the ending, and I I can understand why people would have issues with it. I can understand why people don't want to watch it. I will never disagree with that. I mean, uh, I mean, it's not. It wasn't. For, for me personally, it wasn't... Uh, I mean, I know what you're saying. Mm. Yes, it does go to a bit of an uncomfortable spot yeah. at, at a point. But it wasn't like... I guess we've seen much worse in other... Oh, especially yeah. in horror movies. And I think for me, the fact that I, that experience I had in the cinema, the collective yeah. experience, informs a lot of what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, yeah, so we've seen a lot worse, especially in horror movies and stuff like that. But and it's... It, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's short, it's intense, and... I guess it does fulfill the the taking time bomb uh, yeah. principle. And the one thing I will say, and I want to thank Tarantino for, you know what? If you're going to have a dog in a scene, yeah. thank you for making it the most obvious puppet possible. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know what? I don't need that dog to be hyper-realistic. Give me the goddamn not, puppet. Not in that scene, at least. Nope. You know what? That is completely <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. And you know what? I say uncomfortable. I mean, I've had movies where I've left for certain scenes. And I will admit, I mean, the one that really stands out to me is, um, it was a movie I'd seen before, so I knew what was coming, and I chose to leave the theater when I watched this movie for my studies, uh, which is the David Fincher remake of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Okay. Uh, the right. yeah. s- scene at the beginning of the film-ish, I walked out. I came I, back I in actually... again afterwards, but I, I didn't want to watch that again. Yeah, because they... Do it a little differently in the original. In the original, it is no less horrifying, but less enjoying. Yeah, again, that quality of taking voyeuristic yeah, pleasure. It's not, it's not as it's not as visceral, I should no. say, in the original trilogy. Because I mean, they're they're a trilogy of books which okay. they adapted for Swedish television, which were then made in one film got turned in the first book, first movie turned into a David Fincher film. Yeah. 
and they didn't do a sequel. Well, they did one, which was not really a sequel. No, it's not. It's not based on a book. It, was it just... is based on a book, but it's not based off the original trilogy. Yeah, the original trilogy was continued by a different writer, and they took one of those yeah, books to adapt yeah, it. Yeah, the Spider Web. Yeah, yeah, which looked weird. And I never didn't watch it. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And uh, I had a very visceral reaction to the movie Irreversible. The French one with yeah. Monica Bellucci, I believe. Right? Yeah, Bellucci. Yeah. I've never watched it, but I know what you mean. I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And that movie is great. I highly recommend that movie, yeah. except for that scene. Which yeah, is, but I mean, mm. being, uncomfortable with the, being uncomfortable isn't always a bad no, thing. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, I, I would just put a warning. I mean, that the, it does serve a very specific purpose, and it's not... You know, it's not doing it for the sake of doing it. Essentially, yeah. it's there. There is a clear purpose here, and that's it's kinda not like how I feel about this movie. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, thinking over, but yeah, it, it is the the, but it is the one part of the movie that I'm not like overtly on board with. in love with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I get. I'm that. in love with the rest. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. So, but yeah, I I can't really think of other movies in the sim in a similar genre that does this better. No, uh, as a whole, I mean. So yeah, yeah I guess it's an essential. I mean. The closest thing I can come to is like you know, Woody Allen movies, and yeah, you know mentioning then, Polanski. That... <laughs> it's kind of funny that we bring up Woody Allen, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge. I really struggle with Allen films because of the artist issue. Yeah, I'm not as good at disconnecting the artist from the mm. work. It's probably why I also haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge yet. I, I know you have admit you've recommended it. I probably yeah, no, need actually, to get around to it. Hacksaw Ridge for me is is one of the best World War Two movies. It's up there with yeah. Saving Private Ryan, which is I mean that's praise because I love Saving Private Ryan. I mean Saving Private Ryan is the quintessential. Yeah, that is <laughs> the ten out of ten. For yeah, that is World the ten out of ten. And this comes really damn close. Okay, in my opinion, though. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, fair enough. So yeah, I guess I'll also give it an essential. I mean, I think, you can, I think you can give it a 10 out of 10 with an asterisk. Which yeah, is with that, an asterisk, which is... It's a 10 out of 10 for its genre. Yeah, and it's it's just that uh, if they could have found a different way to do that ending, I would have been more pleased, but... Fair enough. It's fine. I get that. It's I, fine as it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it is... I don't see how they could have ended it differently without it being... While it's still being a Tarantino movie. Kind yeah, of. that's true. And that kind of is its own thing. I do see what you mean. I don't watch... If I'm putting this movie on just to enjoy the atmosphere, I'm not watching the last five minutes. No. That's not what I'm there for, no. everybody. But, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good movie. Mm. And that, that that's something I find is interesting, is going to watch a movie at the cinema where these days you know i know it's a couple of years old now but like in this era let's pull it that this this modus of filmmaking where i can just really think to myself i'm here and having a good time i'm not having to work too hard but i'm engaged i love this atmosphere an atmosphere in movie is like the hardest thing to get right but the best thing to get a control it of. is, it is. and this movie this is the best atmosphere tarantino's ever got that's for damn sure so, I mean, for me, at least, it's the best Tarantino film. I, it yeah. is my favorite. I might enjoy Django more on a kind of just a, I don't know how to put it, like an emotional level. Because mm -hmm. I just really, I think the Fox performance is that is so good. Yeah, I mean, I used to always consider Reservoir Dogs as his best work. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think this... As a straight-up movie, this is better. Yeah, by far. Yeah. And, I mean, you can really, you watch 
Reservoir Dogs and then watch this. Yeah, you can clearly see how then Man. the word maturing yeah really, <laughs> really, comes, into really play. comes into play because yeah yeah anyways so um, right so where can they get hold of us oh Christ yeah I mean we're we're, we're back we're back <laughs> in a sense I guess yeah fuck it we don't have a lot of people listening anyway so we're yeah, happy enough just happy. doing this for our own fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> no we are on. Um, Wherever you find good podcasts, really. We're on uh, iTunes, we're on um, Spotify, Spotify Stitcher. Stitcher, SoundCloud, yes. and YouTube. And YouTube. Well, no, we're dropping no, the YouTube no, because I'm that... Still, I'm still oh, doing it. You're still doing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're doing it. You're yeah. doing YouTube. I'm doing YouTube now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I've had an operation, so I can't do YouTube stuff. That's my excuse. But... <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and if you want to, you know, give us feedback or get hold of get hold of us, then you can email us at siteonscreen at gmail.com. We have uh, a Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash siteonscreen if anyone's yeah. interested. But Facebook page as well. As we've said every time, the best thing you can do for us is tell a friend, spread the word. Yeah, sure. Get someone to listen. And thank you for listening. Yeah, enjoy a card ride where someone decides to put on your podcast as you sit in the back seat and see how long you can cringe. <laughs> I'm guessing that's happened. Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. That's... And on that note, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>